Amen. We got Pastor Kevin and Cindy Reich snuck in on us here. With, and, uh, amen. amen. Jim and Vicki, thank you guys for coming. Kevin's already had one service this morning. They have an 8 o'clock and a 1 o'clock service. So they're going to be getting out of here and, and going to another service. Praise God. But good to have him. He's one of the best pastors in this area. And uh, just thank God for him. Amen. Him and Cindy. What, Cindy keeps him going, you know. Thank God for Cindy. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Uh, thank God I got some voice today. Amen. Praise God. That was amazing. Last Sunday, just in the middle of my message, all of a sudden God just touched me and my, my voice just opened up. Amen. God's good. I preached last Sunday on, on the threshing floor, and uh, I've had several people ask me not to do that anymore <laughs> because uh, this week they, they say that uh, I, I initiated a threshing process in their life. Matter of fact, Sister Val told me that I, I brought the whole 417 area code under a threshing, time of threshing. But I've got to apologize because today is number two. We're going to talk about it just a little bit more. Because this, we're talking about the process of God's uh, work being able to be presented in our lives, being able to, to come alive in our lives. We're going to be, going to be talking about faith. You know, the, the, um, Jesus said in, um, let me look at it here, Luke chapter 22 Verses 31 and 32, Jesus said to Simon Peter after they got through with an argument about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God, and like I said last Sunday, Simon must have, must have won the argument because uh, Jesus uh, pinpointed him, directed his comments right at him and said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, the Amplified Bible says that Satan has asked for all of you to be brought out from under the protection of God to be sifted. I want you to stop and think about that. Wow. Satan has asked for you, all of you, that you would take your protection off of him so that he could sift you as wheat. Jesus' answer was, but I have prayed for you. Now, if the Son of God's praying for you, you got something. And he is because he is the intercessor. He is interceding for us. Every moment of our lives, he is interceding for us. He is, he is our, our uh, propitiation. He is our, our uh, intermediate. He's our, our lawyer, so to speak. He's the one that is, that is keeping us in a relationship with Heavenly Father and through him, and he said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Now, interestingly, Jesus didn't say, I prayed for you that this wouldn't happen. Peter was about to go into the sifting. I don't think the devil got everything he wanted because Jesus never let go of Peter. 
but he was about to go into a sifting process. And, but Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. In other words, that you would continue to believe the truths that I put inside of you regardless of, of about what's about to happen in your life. Oh, come on, somebody. There, there is a faith that moves mountains. And then there's a faith that keeps you when the mountain falls on you. Amen. I've told people before that God will pull you through a situation if you can stand the stretch. Sometimes we don't like the, the stretch. We don't like... We, we want God to zap us and get us out of stuff when, when God likes to take us through stuff because in those processes is where we, we uh, lose the baggage that's holding us back and we gain the strength that moves us forward. I wish, we, I wish it wasn't that way, but we, we have a fallen nature that we battle all the time. Our soul is our greatest enemy, not the devil. The devil is a formidable enemy, but he works through the soul, and our soul is the weakness. Our soul is the place, the vulnerable place, and that's what we have to guard and deal with all, all the time. And, you know, when he said, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Faith, the, the definition of this word faith in the, the literal definition of it, it just simply means a firm persuasion have you ever had a firm persuasion about something amen we we are firmly. you just you just try to debate with somebody and you find out how firmly persuaded they are amen matter of fact i've told you before that that uh we have we have this condition called cognitive dissonance and and dissonance and when that cognitive di dissonance is a situation where our belief system is actually attached to our identity. What we believe is what we feel like makes us who we are. And so when somebody challenges our belief system, a lot of times we get irritable and, and many times defensive because we're not, we don't just take that as somebody debating with us about an issue. We take that personal in that they are attacking our identity. And that's why, that's why discussions get so heated. You know, when, when you try to talk to somebody about something and, and they immediately begin to get defensive, you know that they're not, just, they're, they're not just taking it as a situation or an issue needs to be discussed and need to have an outcome. They're taking it as you are personally attacking them. And you find that more often today than, than ever has been. I mean, it, it's hard to have just a, a conversation with somebody about an issue without, without it becoming heated because... It seems like everything is, is attached to our personal identity. Amen. That, that's really good preaching. <laughs> the problem with that is if our, if our belief system is not right, then we can't let it be connect, corrected because somehow that, that bothers us as an individual. We, we take it personally. And so we can't be corrected. And if somebody does try to correct us, then they're our enemy because they're, they don't like me. It could be that they're your greatest friend. Did you know words of wisdom can even be found in the, in the words of your adversary? 
if you can see through the emotional connection and hear what's actually being said, sometimes those words will help you even though it's coming from somebody that is your adversary doesn't like you, you can still receive wisdom out of it if you don't connect it to a personal situation or, or your identity. And all of us do that. You know, all of us do that. A firm persuasion. It means a firm conviction producing a full acknowledgement of God's revelation and truth. A firm persuasion, a full conviction and acknowledgement of God's revelation and truth. And the third part of this word faith means a conduct inspired by such surrender. So you have, you have the firm persuasion, you have the conviction, and then you have the conduct that comes out of the conviction. Faith is not just believing something. Faith is who we are. Faith is, is what causes us to, to behave the way that we behave, the way that, to conduct ourselves the way we conduct ourselves. We can receive faith is, is, like I said earlier, faith can move mountains. We, we see awesome things happen through faith. You can, you can change things through faith. I mean, God is an almighty God. He's, he's the most high God. He's, he's the omnipotent. He is above. There is actually no comparison that we can compare him to. When we, when we want to praise God, we have a hard time finding something to compare him to and say, God, you're like because we can't find anything he's likened to because the very creation has, been, has, been, uh, su has succumbed to the, to the uh, fall of man and no longer really exemplifies what he is and what he's like. And when, when it says that in the, word, the prayer that Jesus gave us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed means that you are so disconnected from this world. You are separate. You are above. You're beyond. I can't find words to describe you in this earth. That's why John the Baptist had such a hard time writing the book of Revelation because he had to try to use earthly things to describe the heavenly visions that he was seeing. Can you imagine that? We call them streets of gold. Well, that's the only thing that John had to compare the color and what he was seeing. But I got to tell you something. God doesn't use earthly things to create heavenly, uh, th heavenly things. He's got a whole nother system. Amen. He doesn't need our gold to create his streets. He's got something that's beyond anything we can imagine. He said the, the gates are like, like large pearls. Well, it's not pearls. It just looked that way to John, and that's the only, thing, that's the only words he had to describe them. When we try to compare God, God is amazing, God is omnipotent, God is above, God can do anything, and then as Christian people, we come up against those times when it seems like nothing happens. Wow. What happens to our faith in the almighty, omnipotent God when nothing is happening? What happens to our faith when instead of just nothing happening, it's going wrong. It's going the opposite direction. Where, where does our faith go when everything doesn't about face? And all, all of a sudden, our, our faith, instead of, instead of believing for mountains to be moved, we're just trying to hang on and, and keep the mountain from crushing us. What happens to our faith then? Is faith gone? Has faith changed? Has God changed? Is, everything, is anything different? No. If this whole world buries you, God is still God, and he's a resurrecting God, and he'll dig you out. Amen. 
We have a firm persuasion that causes a conviction in the true knowledge of God and then inspires conduct out of a, you know, we, we, we believe for little things. Material things seem to be the most important thing in our life because that's what we believe for most. Every, every day in our life, we believe for things to happen. Our physical bodies are, are very important to us because our physical bodies are the vehicle by which we travel. So we, use, we, we apply our faith to our physical bodies and the, the things we, we have need of and the little things. You know, God, God gives us little things. You know, uh, about a year ago, I, w- I was uh, at the job I have. I have to carry uh, big ladders, 28, uh, 28 foot to uh, 40 foot um, fiberglass ladders because I have to climb high distances and I didn't have anything to haul those on so I would I would have to drive my truck to whatever dock I was working on and then I'd have to walk all the way back to where the ladders are and I would have to put the ladders on my shoulder and carry them all the way to the dock and do the work and then carry them all the way back which boo-hoo you know it's awful and it's hard and all that kind of stuff and so one day one day I just said Lord I need, a, I need a ladder rack for this truck. I need, I need to build one or something. I saw one sitting beside a building, you know, that wasn't being used. It looked like it'd fit. And I said, God, I need something like that. A couple, couple weeks later, Austin come home with a Toyota pickup just like mine that he'd bought. And he come in the house and he said, Dad, this thing's got a ladder rack on it. I don't want it. Didn't look like much, but it was custom made for my little Toyota pickup. And I, I was like, well, isn't that something? I, think, I, I thought, well, God, you could have at least painted it the right color for me. <laughs> it's blue, and paint's coming off of it, and it doesn't match my red truck. And, you know, isn't that the way we are? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we just think things, and God gives us the desires of our heart. Now, this, this is going to blow you away, and it's weird. It's funny, but I, I was, I, my the older I got, the more knock need I got. My knees started going together like this, and it's really bothering me because they were, they were, it's like they were collapsing, and it, and and it caused me to walk on the insides of my feet. And so the balls of my feet were sore all the time because I walked on the insides of my feet. And one day, I just stand in front of the mirror, and I, 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 said, I said, God, my knees need to straighten up. They, they're, fall, they're, they're collapsing. <laughs> Forgot all about that. After over a year of intense pain in my knees intense pain. Couldn't hardly even walk. I got the notice another day that I walk on the outsides of my feet. And I thought, what in the world? I walk on, I, why am I walking? I got to notice my shoes are all, you know, warded. And, and I'm walking on the outsides of my feet. And, and I, I just walked up the mirror and looked in the mirror and I said, I'm almost bow-legged now. <laughs> I stand on the outsides of my feet. I, my, my legs are, are like this. And all of a sudden, it hit me right there. I was standing in that very spot when I said, God, I need my legs to straighten up. It took over a year of intense pain while God rebuilt my knees and caused them. And today, I have very little pain, and they're straight. I don't know why God did that. But he did. 
Now I just gotta, now I gotta get used to walking like this. <laughs> it works a lot better for riding my Harley. You know, my, my legs fit my Harley a whole lot better now. See, a lot of times we ask God for things, but then when it hurts, we don't want it. But sometimes we gotta, we got to learn that the things of God are not always comfortable when he's producing them in us. The threshing floor is absolutely necessary for the growth of the body of Christ. It's just that we got, we got, to, we got to stop feeling like God's done us wrong when it happens. Amen. Peter faced all of this in the sifting. He faced everything about his faith. He, he was tried in every way, and Peter failed miserably. Matter of fact, Jesus, Peter said, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never deny. I'll, I'll go with you to the death. And Jesus said, before the cock crows three times, Peter, cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he did. I mean, people, Satan put people in his path to accuse him. I mean, it, it was abnormal. Everywhere Peter went, somebody was saying, you all, you're with him. I mean, the devil was sifting him. The devil was, was putting people in his path to accuse him. And he, he found himself denying the very thing that he said he would never do. And that threshing floor began to reveal everything in Peter that was holding him at, back and was going to stop him from being able to walk in the presence of God. Why was all this happening? Why was Peter, why was Peter having to go through this? Because there was an outpouring coming. There was a day of Pentecost cost that was coming and he needed to be ready to walk in what God was about to pour out on him he needed to be able to preach a message and 3,000 people get saved that's why he had to be sifted and he had to be tried if we just start seeing what's on the other side joy comes in the morning only when you can go through the night of weeping and hang on to your faith until the sun comes up when you hang on to your faith all night in the darkest night in the time of weeping and you hang on to your faith and refuse to let it go, i got to tell you something, the sun's coming up. And when the sun's coming up, angels are going to be singing over you and the joy of God is going to fill your heart. There is a payment for those that will hang in there. There's a payday. Maybe I ought to title this, Payday's Coming. Amen. Payday's coming. Sometimes we just gotta we gotta decide really what it is we want. See, a lot of us say, oh, I want this or I want that, but you really don't because when the price gets when when, when it starts hurting, when when there's pressure, when it's struggle comes in moving into what you want, then we don't want it anymore. I don't know about you, but I hate moving. But if, if, if God was to bless me with a nice house, you know, I, I got one. I don't need another one. I got a nice house. But if God was to bless me with a house and, and, and it was mine, then the only way I could get to that is to go through the struggle of tearing my life apart and putting it back together somewhere else. But in the family of God today, we don't like for that to happen. 
Whenever God's about to pour something out, he dismantles us and puts us back together so that we can handle what he's about to pour out. Oh, can you see what I'm talking about today? God, God doesn't want to hurt you. God wants to prepare you for more. Oh, some of you are saying, oh, pastor, please, not another week of it. <laughs> Believe me, I, my week has been miserable. I mean, I have been miserable. I preached that message last Sunday, and I, was, I, I even thought to myself, on Tuesday, I thought, man, I don't know who was preaching that message because it sure wasn't me. <laughs> you know? I come face to face with everything that, that was, was in my way. And I knew that was, that's what was happening, but it didn't make it any easier. You know? It's aggravating when, when, when you're trying to get somewhere and you realize you're the problem. <laughs> Man, can't I just blame somebody? God, God's, you know, I know God's got some great things for us and this church and this area and this region, and he's got some great things for me. I don't, I'm, I'm going to be 60 here in a, in a little over a year, and, and I don't think I'm going to slow down. I've still got a lot to do. I told Sister Betty the other day, I said, you know, I've been praying for God to, to give me the vitality and strength that I had when I was in my 20s. She said, oh, that's great. And I said, you better get to praying too. You're going to have to keep up with me. She said, well, we are getting older. I said, no, we don't get old till we're at least 80. Can't, can't have that. There are mornings that I get up. You know, did you ever dream that you'd, get, you'd be sore just from sleeping? I'm not talking about working out. You know, I used to get sore working out. Now I get sore just from sleeping. That ain't right. That ain't right. God's going to, you know... Woo. Give me vitality, God. Help me to go. Amen. He, re he re rebuilt my knees for a reason, you know. You know, it, it really bothered me when I realized that's what was going on. That, that really bothered me. Because I thought, God, you know, couldn't you just, you know, out and it's done? But a year of practically being crippled? I mean, I thought, I thought I was going to have to have knee replacement surgery or something. Both my knees just, just got where they were terrible. And, and, and now I see that it all worked for my good. Be careful what you ask for. Because it's probably going to happen. You know, some of our, some of our least thought out requests is what God answers. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, some of the things you pray really hard for and you're really focused on seems like it doesn't happen. But one of those flippant days where you're just driving down the road and you just say, you know, God, I'd like for this to happen. All of a sudden he does that. It's like, really? <laughs> I didn't even have time to think that one through. <laughs> but God's awesome. He's not going to hurt us. You know, I'm going to have to get on with this. The word fail just simply means to cease. Your faith fail not. Your faith not cease. 
faith, faith, faith is not something you try. Faith is something you become. And when we can really grab hold of that, it'll change our lives. You know, a lot of people are trying to believe. You, can, you don't try to believe. You, you either believe or you don't. You know, uh, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. Je- Jesus said, you don't need your faith increase. Faith the size of a little mustard seed is enough. It'll move mountains. In other words, you just need to act on what you got. Amen. You need to act on what you got. That, <laughs> you know, I've, I've found, I've found that, that I don't struggle with believing God for stuff because God does amazing things. I struggle with believing that I can do it. And I never thought I'd do that. I mean, that, that's my battle. Can I just be honest with you? My battle is believing that I can do this without messing it up again. You know, when you see yourself as the weakest link of the chain, you, you, you have a hard time hooking up and, and, and putting pressure on that because you're afraid you're not going to be able to do it. But then we have to realize, hey, it's not, it's not about me. It's about God. It's, you know, he can fix this thing. You know, he can, he can fix our messes. And, and I'm, I'll guarantee you that, that we're going we're gonna to mess up again. You know, I had somebody here a while back, you know, that God was using them and in a in a certain gift and and they were just terrified of it and and said well i'm afraid i won't mess up i said you will that just blew him out of the water well thanks pastor that's just great i said what do you expect just be perfect at everything you have to you have to you have to mess up to learn it's it's the only way we learn amen so we have to we have to try we have to risk the only way you can grow in god is to risk and many times you have to risk everything, and you have to risk things that, that, that are really important to you, like your pride, fear, the fear of failure. Most, most men and a pretty good percentage of women have a fear of failure. We don't like to fail. Isn't that right? Yeah, because we're always trying to figure out how to blame somebody else for it. I want to I want to talk for just a few minutes about about Gideon. We all know the story of Gideon. Now Gideon in in uh, Judges chapter six verses eleven through fifteen it says, "Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press." Now I want I want I want us just to really get a picture of this. Gideon was not just in the threshing floor. He was in the threshing floor that was in the wine press. The wine press is a place of crushing. The threshing floor is a place where where God tosses you in the air trying to get the chaff blown off of you. You know, blow, mighty breath of God. Come blow the chaff out of me. We don't sing that, do we? No. We said, you know, it, the day of Pentecost when a rushing mighty wind came in and filled all them. But I got to tell you, you know, why, you know why God came in a wind? Because after 10 days of praying, that upper room was full of chaff. And God blew it out of there. It was a threshing floor where they were purified and ready. And he blew the chaff out and the wheat was ready to receive. 
But he was in the wine press because he was afraid of the Midianites. Why? Because they were still. Remember the message I preached here all back? Stand, you know, stand in your, your bean field. Don't, don't give up. The, the, the devil's trying to steal from you. You need to walk right out in the middle of what he's trying to steal from you and say, uh-uh. Mm-mm. You want to fight? Let's fight. But I'm not going to fight fair. See my big brother standing right behind me? You're facing him, not me. Amen. I'm going to stand here because he told me that I'm going to stand in the awesome, mighty power of God, not my own power, my own strength. And here, here Gideon is threshing wheat in, in, a, in a wine press. A wine press was a low place. And so there was no wind. How do you thresh wheat in a place where there's no wind? And, and as Gideon was trying to thresh the wheat, the, the chaff just kept falling right back down into the, into the place where he's threshing it. And, and he was going in circles, going in circles. Oh, how many of us can't commit to a decision? We, we want God to do something, but we can't commit to it. We can't commit to a decision. We can't just say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. We have a hard time surrendering. It, it's like we get on a roundabout and we won't commit to the off-ramps. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. I went, I went down to Branson, went, went around that little roundabout. You know, they've had these in Europe and, and African places like that forever. But us Americans, you know, we didn't have those because we were rebelling against England. And, and if England had it, we wasn't going to have it. So we made four-way stop, which congested traffic. And, and that's the reason our NASCAR races are all in the same in the direction they are, because they're the opposite, opposite direction of England. All of our races are opposite of England. It's a, it's a rebellious statement. And so we weren't going to have no roundabouts. We're going to have four-way stops where everything gets totally congested, and we all have to take turns, you know. And, and so we finally gave in and said, well, you know, it's, it's been a few hundred years, so maybe, maybe we can do this without looking bad. So we started putting roundabouts in. Well, the problem with roundabouts is you get on that roundabout, and, and I counted down, down here in Branson, there are five roads you can get off on. Five roads you can get off on. And you start around that thing, you have to commit to one of those. If you don't commit to one of them, you just keep going around and around and around and around and around, and you're saying, God, I don't understand what you're not, why you're not doing anything. God, I don't understand why. God, do something. And, and he's, he's showing us where to go. And, and, but we, we say, okay, God, do something. Not that. You know, I can't do that, but do something. And we just keep going around and around and around and around, around and God keeps, you know, God illuminates it. He puts neon arrows pointing at it and he, and he tries to light it up. He even tries to put stuff in our way to try to get us to turn that direction and we crash right through it and say, God, I don't understand why you let that happen. And God says, I was trying to get you to turn. You aren't supposed to run into it. <laughs> and so here we are going around and around and around until we finally make a decision. And commit to it. I read something the other day that, that, that was funny. It, it said that, that uh, generations today have so many television channels that they sit there with the clicker. Now, this is mostly men. Most of you women don't do this, surely. But they sit there with the clicker, and they go through movie after movie after movie after movie after movie. And it said that a lot of people today cannot commit to anything 
to the point that they, all evening they will jump from channel to channel to channel and never commit to one to watch one. Unable to commit because they might miss something else. Isn't that how we are? Come on, Dan, preach with me, son. Get that clicker out of Sandy's hand. Good night. Deliver that woman. When we, in order, in order to move forward with God, we have to find God's direction and we have to be able to commit to it. We have to say, okay, God, that's where I'm going. I found this to be true in my life. If anything's going to happen, I have to commit to it. Regardless of, of what kind of obstacles or, or hardships try to stop me, I have to commit to it. To the point that if I commit to something and God, God tries to get my attention and tell me that that's not really the right direction he wanted me to go, he has to get really intense to get me off point. Because once I make up my mind and commit to something, I go there. I do it. When last September, when my knees were so bad I couldn't even walk, we had committed to a 6,000-mile ride out, out to Southern California and up the coast and around. It was going to be 6,000 miles. I couldn't even walk. And Sister Betty was saying, you can't even hold up the motorcycle. I said, I'll hold it up. She said, you can't even walk. How are you going to hold up a 1,000-pound motorcycle? I said, I'll put the kickstand down fall over on it. That's what we did. Sometimes it was kind of awkward. I'd pull in the gas stations and I'd almost fall over, you know, and, and I didn't have to get a hold of the gas pump. I'd have to pull up closer where I'd get a hold of the gas pump and I'd pull myself off the motorcycle and drag my legs off the motorcycle and try to put gas and put gas in it. But I'd made up my mind. I committed to it. So I was going to do it. This, this year, we, we got the, ready to go on this, this ride to Maine and, and stuff. It was going to be 5,000 miles the day before. Damon disobeyed his mama and cut with a knife toward him. <laughs> he's not in here so I can talk, to, talk about him. The day before, he's trying to open a package because he's going to fix something on his motorcycle. Oh, everybody be quiet. He's coming in. <laughs> he's going to open a package and he pulls toward him and this part of his hand, he just... He just Sliced it open. Well, guess what you got to have to ride a motorcycle? A thumb. Because you got to hang on the handlebar, and then you got to pull that clutch in and all that kind of stuff. And so he, he had to go to the emergency room, and they sewed it up and had this big bandage on it and, and stuff. And I, I said, I said is, it, is it a trip killer? He said, nope. And we left the next day with him with this big bandage on his hand, and he'd have to, he'd have to, push his palm against the handlebar and pull in with his fingers to clutch the bike like this. And I told him, I said, after 3,000 miles, it'll be pretty good shape. And it was. After about 3,000 miles, he could use that hand pretty good. When you're going to do something for God, when God wants, when God ordains something in your life, don't get lost in fantasy 
thinking that it's just going to open up before you and you're just going to step into it. That is not going to happen. The first thing you're going to find is opposition. The devil's going to try to stop you and he's going to try to get you to stop it. The greatest tactic he has is to get us to destroy our own potential. Amen. Man, that's good. Won't sell books, but it's good. Now, the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon. I'm going to have to hurry this up. Kevin, you still got two hours before you, your next service. It's okay. <laughs> now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree and spoke to, to uh, Gideon in the wine press. I'm trying to get down to where we're at. The Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? My goodness, if that's not the theme of today. And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Now, the answer is there talking to him, and he's trying to convince the answer that it's not going to happen. Why? Because the, the, the threshing floor is the place where everything that's stopping you from receiving what God has ordained for you becomes evident. And it comes up right in front of us. And he said, he said why is all this stuff happening? He said, and, 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 he's, and the angel of the Lord uh, said, he said, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours. Isn't it somehow God won't listen to us? <laughs> he, he just, you know, you can't get him off track. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Immediately, Gideon pronounces what's stopping him. The only way that Gideon got past that is to walk with God to the point that he realized that God was going to do this and all he had to do was obey. And then Gideon began to see the miracles of God and the deliverance of God. But he had to get past the point of I can't do this because I'm not qualified. I can't do this because of this or because of that. And every time God starts trying to move us forward, we run right into the things that discourage us because it's the things that we can't seem to do anything about. And that's where we have, to, we have to back up and say, God, I surrender to your faith. I surrender and acknowledge your truths. And I want my conduct to come in line with your truth. Not what I believe. Not who I am. Amen. There's been many times that I've, that I've told God, you know, God... Why, why did you send me to this place? There have been times I've been in, on the mission field and felt so overwhelmed of just 
God, how do I even communicate with these people? How do, how do I get a truth across? What, you know, I don't even know how to, how to you know, make it alive to them. And, and, and I've said, God, why did you send me? You should have sent somebody that was better at this. You know, I've actually said that. And then, I, then I've, I've told him, I said, you should have sent somebody, somebody that wasn't picky about eating food. Why did you pick me? I am picky. If it's not the right consistency, I can't eat it. I got grandchildren just like me. They'll put something in their mouth and they go. And then I sit down in a little hut full of flies and, and, and dirt and, and people and, and everything's dirty and filthy and the food tastes terrible and it stinks. And, and, and I have to sit there because he said whatever they put before you, eat it. Unnecessary. He should never put that in there. <laughs> should have gave us a way out. Joe Beth, you're, about, you're going to know what I'm talking about with that moly. Oh, my goodness. They're, about, they're getting ready to leave from Mexico. Going to be ministering down in, in, around Mexico City, leaving Thursday. And uh, I'm, let's pray for him. I mean, pray. Uh, Steve's been down there before. He didn't have a real good experience with it. And so Joe Beth is going this time so she can have a real good experience with it. Praise God. But they're going, to be, they're going to do great. Going to be some awesome, awesome things. Amen. Awesome works of God. Amen. Take place down there. But listen, whenever God ordains you for something, He's got what you need. Amen. He has got what you need. Thank God. He's got what you need. There's been times I've got up and preached in front of in front of large groups of people in other countries and and just stumbling and and feeling like you know I'm stuttering and can't can't form my phrases right and can't say the words right and and it's just terrible and just seems to be going awful and then give an altar call and people that have never heard the name of Jesus come forward and and receive Christ in their life and commit their life to him in the face of major opposition and and persecution and they still do it and I'm standing there I'm standing there saying God I don't even know how this happened but thank you that it did. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Amen. Thank you for letting me be a part. Isn't that something? Amen. And now I find myself in the same situation here in the Ozarks, standing in this place and saying, God, I don't even know how to communicate with these people. <laughs> it's like I'm in a foreign country. God, how do you reach people here? But God is going to do it. I said, God is going to do it. Brother Kevin, God's doing it. Amen. God's doing it. Praise God. He has ordained us. He's made it possible. And he's going to make the way. He's going to give us the strategies. He's going to give, give us the ideas. He's going to give us the anointings. He already has. Matter of fact, God is preparing us for what has already begun. Amen. What is already ready. It's already done. It's already happened. Gideon found the, the answer that he was looking for when he committed to what God was saying to him. When he committed to what God, Gideon found out that the answer was right there. That he was arguing with the answer, but it was right there. Because when we see through our eyes, 
everything looks impossible. When we see through God's eyes, God, God sees it as, as just another day in the office. Amen. Praise God. I can imagine, I can imagine when, when, I, when I flippantly told God, you know, why I told him when I stood there and said, God, my knees need to straighten up. They're, they're, they're bowing in. They're, they're coming apart. Something's wrong with them. My knees need to straighten up. I can imagine God standing there going. Because he knew, he knew all the griping and complaining I was going to be doing because my knees were straightening up. <laughs> Come on. Woo. Oh, God. How many times have we said, God, send a mighty move of God, and then God begins to get you ready for the move of God, and we say, oh, God, not that move. We want the power and presence of God to fill our lives, but we don't want God to strip out the things that are standing in the way. Matter of fact, most of us, when God begins to mess up our world, we become very frustrated. You know why? Because we got a picture in our mind of how our life should be. But we won't commit to the life that we're living. We're always, we're always chasing after this life the way it should have been, the way it should be for us. But we won't commit to the life that we're living. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Stand with me today if you would. Come on, Sister Val. And I'd like to go into the next stage of this, but I'm going to stop. I know some of you are saying, thanks, Pastor. I come here for some relief today, and you just, I did give you some relief. Amen. I just told you there's a promise coming down that dusty road. Amen. Sister Joe Beth used to sing that song all the time. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. Talking about, talking about uh, Lazarus in the tomb. Everything was gone. Lazarus was dead. But yet there was a promise coming. Jesus was coming down the road. Yeah. Can we hang on? Can we, can we commit to it? You know, what I found myself doing this week is just saying, God, I just surrender to your purposes. I surrender your plans. Yeah. I don't even understand the plans. I don't know what you're doing, but I, I surrender to that. I surrender to your purposes. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Now, there, there's, there's things in my mind that I'd like, ways I'd like to see things go, but I got to give that up. I got to surrender to the plans of God. Amen. Brother Kevin, Sister Cindy never, never dreamed they'd be in a church where they have to have eight at eight o'clock in the morning service, one o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the afternoon service, and yet it's working. It's working. Their church is, is growing. Probably, probably was hard to commit to. Yeah. We don't always understand why God takes us the direction that He takes us. And yet, if we'll surrender to it, we'll find ourselves in the place that God always meant for us to be. 
and we'll find ourselves being the person that God always wanted us to be, which is more important to God than what we're doing. Amen. Oh, come on, Father. We just, we just humble ourselves today. Lord, thank you for showing us, revealing to us, Lord God, what's standing in the way, Lord God. Now we just ask you to purge it from our lives, remove it from our lives, Father. Father, help us to understand who you are. We're always trying to understand why things are going the way they're happening. God, we just need to understand who you are. Father, we just need to commit to you. We just need to walk in your ways, Father. And Lord, we just ask you today, God, that you would just get us ready. 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 Hallelujah. Lord, bring us into that place where the manifestation of your presence is tangible. And we give you praise for it, Father. say with me today, Lord, I, I just commit to your process. I just commit, I submit myself to faith. I submit myself to your process. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 